0: in seven jamaica on the inside in four you've got the newly crowned women's 100 meter and 200 meter champions in this race final of the women's four by 100 away team usa in lane seven all in blue third from the right nice start for desiree Bryant of the united states but jamaica off to a great start as well shelly ann fraser price has the trying to keep pace with the United States down the back stretch. Look at her go, the red hair, the yellow top, what a leg from Shelly and Fraser Price for Jamaica. Jamaica, USA, and Great Britain all with a chance with one pass to go, look at Jamaica now. Janelle Smith with a brilliant third run, hands it over, look out, Sharika Jackson is just sprinting away. Watch the second leg down the back straight, a real head to head between Shelley and Fraser Price. A oh, real shame just seeing pictures here, the Chinese having all sorts of problems, and we're just uh, showing why their race unfolded. That was one of the worst handoffs ever given in an Olympic race. I don't know about you, but uh, it was a challenge when I was in track and field to get the baton passed from one person to the next. And um, we have... Frank, if you can bring my stuff up there, my clicker somewhere. Um, We have began a new series last week entitled... Simply entitled or entrusted. And it's about passing the baton. The baton that God has passed on to you and I. And I think this morning that... um, I'm sorry, Frank, my book's all that right there. (laughs) He didn't know he had to do that until right beforehand. Thank you. The passing of the baton happens continually from one day to the next in all kinds of situations. But the baton that's being passed to you and I is the baton of God's responsibility. And we looked at, last week, the baton of God's gospel. This week, I had the opportunity to have a front row seat to two baton passings that happened. I had the opportunity beside the hospital bed of Alice Parnackian, who is the mother to Tom Parnackian, long-term, him and Debbie, long-term members of this church. And Alice was 96. And as I stood beside the bedside, we knew that these were the last hours for Alice, And we prayed over her and that she would pass from this life to the next for a life well lived because she faithfully served the Lord her whole life and supported all kinds of ministries. She actually supports this church she had. And there's this understanding that in those moments, there's the thin place between this life and the next life. And so it's sacred space. And as we prayed, we thanked the Lord for Alice's life. It was only 15 minutes after I left that hospital room that I got a text from Tom and Debbie saying, Alice is now with Jesus. And I thought, how interesting, because the baton of Alice's life has now fully been passed to Tom and to Debbie. Run and run well. The clip you just saw of the Chinese relay team. I have to smile because um, I don't know why they went back. They were trying to do something appropriate. But the first runner was going like, get going, right? And I think in those kinds of moments, the one who is passing the baton to the next generation completely would say, get going. Don't be messing around. After hearing of Alice's passing, I had the opportunity to slip over to the home of Mike and Chris McDonald. And many of you know that Mike was diagnosed with brain cancer a year ago, with a shocking thing, and the vitality of his life. And, and we've been praying for Mike, but he had been placed on hospice. A week ago today, Mike faithfully wanted to serve Jesus all the days of his life. He asked the Lord for 10 more years when he found out about his cancer diagnosis last year. He beat the odds in many ways, but God granted him one more year. And it was just a few hours later at 1.30 a.m. on Friday that our friend And our loved one, Chris's lifelong mate, Dustin's dad, passed to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you knew Mike very well, but I would come in church on a Sunday morning and be dumbfounded by all the different places he would be serving A week ago today, he still wanted to get out of his hospice bed and come and be in our prayer circle at 9.30 in the morning. That's at the end of the hallway. And though in those last moments Mike was not able to talk, I know what he would say. And he would say it not only to his family, he would say it to us as his church family. Take the baton and run with it. Run with what God has given you with all of his might. There's a passage in Scripture concerning the Apostle Paul that gives reference to the end of the race, if you will. In 2 Timothy 4.6, it says this, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now, the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And so this morning, I have a couple, three batons to pass out. And um, I'm just going to walk out in the audience. Tom Pernakin. He's on his way to the airport to pick up Tom and Debbie's daughter. Run the waste, race well. It's for you, Debbie. Run the waste race well for Tom. Cause I know Alice. And Alice would say, carry on. And she awaits. In the back row this morning, it's Chris McDonald, Chris, we love you, we're your family, and in these days that we journey, the baton's been passed from Mike, Dustin, the baton's been passed from your dad, run the race well. We love you guys. I had to smile. I think it, Chris, what was your idea? Mike laying in that hospice bed. In his living room. He wasn't able to be at church a week ago today or today. But Mike on his hospice bed had the Awakening Kids Church shirt on. What do you think about that? (laughs) And I just had to smile and laugh because. Chris and Mike, they would serve in children's ministry. Chris and Mike would serve out here in, in the greeter area. Chris and Mike would be serving in hospitality. Chris and Mike would be over here helping in the prayer area. Chris and Mike would be leading a small group. Uh, Chris was, uh, Mike was getting ready to lead a, a crown ministries group when he got diagnosed a year ago. He was all in. Not for church activity. Not to make himself feel good. He was all in for Jesus and the kingdom of God. And he now has received the prize that awaited him. And I'm sure when all's said and done, we'll get to the other side and realize he had a far better week this week than any of us had. Including his family. And he's rejoicing in the heavenly realms. But it's these kinds of weeks that sort of give us a sense of Reality. Especially if you're walking there. And for me, going from one bedside to the next bedside, and within hours, two great saints passing on to be with the Lord. What a privilege. What a blessing. And I thought today as we talk on this whole thing of are we an entitled people or are we acknowledging that we are an entrusted people? As we focus on this entrustment concerning God's calling, that the Lord set before us two powerful lives and two powerful illustrations of what it means to pass the baton. So what about you? How are you doing with receiving God's calling in your life? Is that front and center of your focus? Or are you distracted by a lot of the things of the world? Melissa, my wife, and I had the opportunity to be beside the bedside of Mike a little bit earlier in the week on Monday. And we knew that he was heading south quickly. And so we were there. And she got in the car as we were going on the visit to the McDonald's home. And she says, there's this hymn that just keeps going over my mind. And the hymn had to do with Jesus Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. She sang that over Mike. He was... Sort of responsive in those moments and given a week and in a few short hours of the days that passed, the things of earth grew strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace in that thin place. So we're here today to support our loved ones and to, in one sense, celebrate the homecoming homegoing of a couple people connected with this body And it's not that I bring that to us for a sense of such somberness. We could really have a time of celebration. But it's interesting in this life how we mix grief and hope, sorrow and gladness, loss and victory. And that's because, as it's said, we were not born for this life, we were born. For eternity. We are not human beings. Having spiritual experiences. We are spiritual beings. Having human experiences. And I don't know where you're at. On the trajectory of understanding. The reality of life. But boy it was brought front and center. To me this week. And so in that. I'd like us to pray. For these two families. Lord Jesus we thank you for. The life of Alice and her son Tom and Debbie, and we just pray, God, that you would bless the Pernakians as they take the baton and stretch into the next season of their ministry and service to you. And Lord, for the passing of our dear brother Mike McDonald, we thank you for the year that you gave. And Lord, that your grace was there to the very end and him stepping from this life onto the shore of eternity. But we pray for Chris, that you would strengthen her and that we would support her as family. Lord, for Dustin and for Tim, their two sons, we pray, God, that you would strengthen them as they receive the baton. As passed on to them from their father and that they would run the race well. So, Lord, we speak blessing over their life, strength and encouragement. And Lord, together we as a church family, may you just bring us into a sense of keen awareness that we never know what a day holds. And the next life in this life is really a very thin place. And I pray here this morning, God, as we just touch on this aspect of your calling in our life, that you would awaken us, you would quicken us. That we not be him hauling around and running in different directions or confused, but we would know what's set out before us and that we would run that race well. For Lord, here this morning, there are people that are challenged in knowing direction in their life and they need to hear from you. Lord, here this morning, there are individuals that are challenged with understanding meaning and purpose in life. And you want to speak into their life and give them hope and a purpose today. And so to that end, as we... Remember, and we celebrate two lives that have moved on. We have these lives. May you move us to where you want us to be. And God's people said, amen. This idea of God's calling is central to your life and to mine. What is God's plan? What is God's purpose in life? You know, it's interesting, I um, have come across a lot of great philosophers and smart people seemingly this last week in my studies as it relates to understanding life's purpose, but you know, there's a lot of confusion going on today as to what life's purpose is. And we're baffled, we're confused, even in our own life. It was the Russian novelist and philosopher Dostoevsky who said this, The mystery of human experience lies not in staying alive, but in finding something to live for. The mystery of human existence lies not in just staying alive, but in finding something to live for. And it's interesting because we have people who have scaled the ladder of wealth, popularity and fame, all kinds of relational connections maybe. And they still ask the question, what is life for? What is the value and the purpose of life? In fact, I was just sharing with somebody uh, early this morning that had come in to help. And they said that they had been talking to recently a uh, secular counselor, therapist in their life. And the question came up as to um, what do you want to do with your life? And the person said, I want, I want to find something that, that's worthwhile to give my life for and meaning. And the counselor just looked at them and said, well, why? Why do you want to do that? You just be you. You just be you and just get along. Why are you trying to find for some sense of uh, a longing transcendence beyond yourself the context of a greater life? Because we were wired that way. And we weren't wired just to stay alive and have mere existence in this life. We were li- wired to the calling of the human being. And so I want to give you this definition. It comes from Oz Guinness, who's very good on this subject. He's actually written a book called The Call. In Oz Guinness, he defines the calling this way. The calling, God's calling, is the truth that God calls us to himself So decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with a special devotion, dynamism, and direction lived out as response to his summons and his service. You could sum it up just simply as God's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for your life. Rick Warren, who pastored Saddleback Church, half an hour after there was a straight road over to uh, the other side of the Santa Ana Mountains, he wrote a very popular book called What? The Purpose Driven Life. Top bestseller. Number of years ago, wrote, wrote this. Many people read it. The first phrase in his book, you know what it is? The Purpose Driven Life. I want to find meaning. I want to find purpose, a calling. What is it all about? The first phrase. These simple words, it's not about you. It's not about you. But you and I, we live in a culture where we're bumping around friends, whether uh, at the the water cooler at work or at school or, or connecting on a social basis, where it's all about you and what you're entitled to. You only go around once in life, right? So, so gain it all. Get it all. Don't miss out. And so we labor and we toil day in and day out with the focus on ourselves. And some of you this morning, you wouldn't want to admit it, but the reality is if you examine your own life today, that's sort of where you've been. It's all about you. But somewhere in this journey of being a human being, we have to realize that it's not about us, that it's about him. And it's a personal calling that God himself reaches out to you. And he says, I have this calling for your life. Will you take it and will you run with it? Or will you fumble around? Ignore it. Kick it to the side. Or will you discover that plan and that purpose that he has for you? I don't know if there's any way really to move past this whole entitlement thing in our life, but to come to a place of repentance and brokenness and say, it's not about me, it's about him. And that everything that I am and everything that I do and everything that I have, it needs to be invested, it needs to be invested with special devotion, dynamism, and direction as a response to God's summon call in my life and his call to service. I trust it's all right for me to say this, Chris. But I know it's a journey ahead if you lose your loved one as a spouse because it's always been the two of you. And then there's the discouragement of what does this all mean as I walk forward. From my understanding, as you were sharing with Mike, it's like, well, what am I going to do? Mike just came back very simply. Well, you're going to love the Lord and serve his purposes. You're going to serve the church. That continues on. Whether we do it in connection with loved ones, or whether there's a season of change in our life, or we do it together as a church community, we are to serve the calling for which God brought us into this world, which is to love and to honor Him. Now, I want to say a couple things, primary things, uh, two key things about this subject of calling, because a lot of times it gets confused. A lot of times we have this thinking that um, there's going to be this real specific work for God. Uh, from God for us to do, and that may very well be. But you need to understand here this morning, all humanity and all who are Christ followers, for sure, we have a primary calling that comes before what's really defined as our secondary callings or secondary callings. The primary calling, the primary calling for all of us to grab a hold of life is to be a disciple of Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be a called one, and thus a follower, as it says in the New Testament, of the way, his way. And there's three aspects in this primary calling that we have. We are called by Jesus, we are called to Jesus, and we are called for Jesus. The picture of Jesus calling his first disciples just walking out in the common marketplace along the seashore, and he does what? He says, come, follow me. Now, to reckon with what's happening in that, you need to know that you can't be called unless unless there is someone who is calling, right? So the one who is calling is Jesus himself through his Spirit, the Son of God, the creator of the universe. And Jesus is calling you... Personally, we are called by Jesus. We're not called by the church, Pastor Carey, or some institution. We're not, you know, called to, uh, uh, you know, some uh, particular job necessarily. We're not called uh, to some particular location. We need to know that calling foremost is the calling by Jesus. And for me, as I'm running the race. That's pretty cool. Jesus isn't just 2,000 years ago walking the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee or the, the streets of Capernaum or other cities around there. Jesus is walking our road today through his spirit. And the same voice that called Peter, James, and John, and Bartholomew, and nathaniel It's the same person that's calling you. Maybe even this morning, if you've never responded to the call. And Jesus says, come, follow me. Take my calling. And that's powerful to me. It should be powerful to you. That the God of the universe has a calling that we're to be uh, responding to. A calling that we're entrusted to. But our calling is by Jesus. There's a lot of people today deconstructing the faith, walking away from the faith, scratching the head. I read an article this week about contemporary Christian music, and somebody's got to, you know, be, bring some correction to it because there's some things that aren't happening good in, in some of the, the artist lives of contemporary Christian music. I grew up with contemporary Christian music. It was formational in my life of, of being able to serve Jesus, and I was reading this article. I was cringing because the the author, and he was one of the, the lead people of a, a group called Skillet, was, was, was worried about what the gospel was that we were passing on to the next generation. And sometimes I think the reason that we all get a little wishy-washy or a little bit watered down with our faith and definitely a lack of piety in our life, it just sort of seems to be common amongst evangelicalism today, is that we do not realize that we have been called by Jesus. If he walked in this door right now, he would look at your life and he would say, come follow me. Ah, got a few other things on my schedule today. Life's pretty full, a little low on the resources, like to get up my portfolio and my bank accounts. Friends, Jesus is walking your road and mine, and he's asking you, will you come follow me? And our primary calling needs to be understood that at the beginning, it's being called by Jesus. But then guess what? We are called to Jesus. We are not... Called to a location, we're not called to a vocation. We're we're not called to a church, even, foremostly, right? We are called to Jesus and to have an intimate relationship with Him. Do you ever smile sometimes when you read Scripture and you say, "Man, it would have been pretty cool to be with Jesus during that miracle that He did there, or that journey along the way, or man, want to be around Him with you know some of the you know." Sticking it to the religious folks that the, the heat, uh, I, I like to be around. Jesus says, Come then. I guarantee you, there's enough trouble in this world you'll get yourself into if you follow Jesus that you'll have an up close seat of realizing the challenge. But you are walking, you are talking, you are serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are called by Jesus, but we are called to Jesus. And in that relationship, There is joy and there is purpose. And then we are called for Jesus, for all that he desires to happen on this earth. We just came through a series on the Lord's Prayer, and he taught his disciples to pray what? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where his heart bled. And when you come into this calling with Jesus, you will have a burden that Jesus has if you follow hard after him. So the primary calling in your life and our life is not very hard to discern. If you weigh deep into scripture and understand what Jesus taught, it's a calling by him personally. Came across a quote by George Whitfield this week. He was a great evangelist. In the First Great Awakening. Our name is The Awakening Church, and one of the reasons I said okay with that uh, a number of years ago when we decided to rebrand, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a historian buff of God's movement in America and the First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening. Well, if you study anything about the great spiritual awakenings in our country, you'll come across the name George Whitfield. He actually is from the UK, and he, uh, he would go around and preach, and, and God used him mightily uh, First Great Awakening was somewhere between 19, uh, 1740 and 1770s. He wasn't all that old when he passed away, but this is one of the phrases that, that he spoke that just strikes me very well this morning in the sense of calling. He says this, I am never better than when I am on the full stretch for God. I am never better than when I'm on the full stretch for God. And you can imagine as you're stretching out and and you're you're trying to, whether it's receive the baton or pass the baton, whatever it may be, that when we're stretched out, we're maxed out, we're trying to do things for the Lord Jesus, when we're at risk of being able to try to take maybe the next hill for him, when we're trying to understand what it means to grow deeper in him, George Woodward would say, I am never better than when I'm at full stretch for God. We see this from the apostle Paul. You're familiar with this life that was out persecuting Jesus followers people of the way because he thought they were corrupting the Hebrew religion that Jesus was no Messiah and Jesus strikes Paul who was named Saul in his early years on the road to Damascus to bring more persecution uh, against Christians and Jesus appears to him and gives him a calling and he's blinded and he says what do you want from me? And the Lord says, why do you kick back against the goads? Or it was a terminologist that said, why are you always giving pushback and trying to brush me aside? And Paul had this traumatic, ecstatic, transformational conversion on the road to Damascus. And he turned and he took the baton and he ran with it and became the greatest missionary that ever existed in taking the gospel to the unknown reaches of the modern western world at that time the apostle paul but the apostle paul says this in philippians 3 you can read the whole context of it there but he the the flavor that he gives is the flavor of someone who's received the baton well and he's wanting to pass that baton of the god's calling onto others and he simply says this In Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already been made perfect, but what I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. If on some point you think differently, that too God will reveal to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Join with others in following my example. Follow the pattern that we gave you. as I have often told you before and now say again even with tears many many live as enemies of the cross of Christ their destiny is destruction their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame their mind is on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that brings everything underneath his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. (laughs) That's someone who's stretched out for Jesus. It wasn't just the special person in scripture. The calling is for all of us to take the baton of a life where we're called by Jesus, to Jesus, and for Jesus, and run! How you doing on that one? I ask you because I had to ask myself that this week. Challenges in life come and go, whether church challenges, family challenges, other responsibility challenges, and it's really easy to get down and discouraged. But boy, when I come back to what my purpose is, in life is and the calling God has given me I rise up and I said lead on lead on Jesus let's take the next hill I um, am very mindful when we come into the fall for us as a church there's a lot of activity that's ramped back up good activity, summers, some comings and goings. But I want you to know as your pastor and your friend, there's some critical stuff that we're doing this fall to help you with this calling and see transformation come about in your life as you get stretched out for God. And I'm concerned that we fill our lives with a lot of good things that keep us from the best things concerning our calling our primary calling by Jesus to Jesus and for Jesus and you heard it announced some of what we're going to do but in Colossians 2, 6 and 7 you find this verse from the apostle Paul so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord continue to live your lives in him rooted And built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanks, thankfulness. It's from this verse and some others, but it's from this verse that the um, rooted experience is framed. In the Rooted experience, some of you are familiar with it. You've stepped through Rooted, but even if you've stepped through it, I want you to dig out your ears and hear from the Holy Spirit today. I've actually been through Rooted seven or eight times. It's a 10-week experience of investigation, growth, and transformation, no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey. And in the Rooted experience, and you've got a note sheet that's in your chairs that explains it a little bit more, a note sheet that you can sign up for you're going to have three things that happen to you. You're going to get a book. And this book is going to enable you, over the course of 10 weeks, to spend time with God. Reflecting on some really deep stuff, bringing context to our lives, and a bunch of fill-in-the-blanks here. Five out of seven days during the week, you're going to be challenged to read a devotional couple pages and reflect on two or three questions and just open journal. There's no right or wrong answers, if you will. It's just you intersecting with God and reserving time in your life on five out of seven days. You get to skip two. Even if you miss two in a row, you can still catch up. But the, the rooted journey begins with that personal dimension of you connecting, as it says, with God. And then Rooted, you're going to come and be a part of a, uh, a group experience. So you got a book, and then you got a group. And the group, it's always interesting because they come together. I, I remember, uh, Chris and Mike, when you sat in that first group when you'd come to church, and we're like, okay, we're going to do Rooted. Who are you people? And everybody in the room... The group is like, who are the rest of these people? You might know one or two. But you start a community experience because the group is not about if you're in or out. The group is about facilitating what God's been speaking to you about through the journey of the week. And so it's really not a small group leader. It's a group facilitator. And so you got the book, and you got a group, and you're going to do that on a weekly basis for 10 weeks. And then you got some experiences, some experiences that are outside of the group. I won't go into those right now, but it's helping you give context that it's not just about me. I'm serving the purposes of Christ. And so I want to challenge you and I this morning that if we're serious or maybe we're uh, stuck or maybe we're indifferent to the calling of God is that you commit to a 10-week experience of Rooted. It's real easy. Just grab the piece of paper, write your name, put it down, even if you've been through Rooted before. It's transformational, what God will do in those 10 weeks. And why are we doing this? Just because we want to fill up the calendar and have programs, something on the menu for when you show up at the Awakening Church. Oh, we do some stuff here. (laughs) Besides Sunday morning worship. No. It's about the calling. It's about knowing Jesus and serving his purposes because it's in that context that you're not doing you. You're doing him and his plans and purposes and you will find your life has meaning. And the second thing that we highlighted this morning, just briefly, and I I just want to unpack, is this idea that we're going to have another kind of group other than rooted. Some of you have been through rooted. Maybe you need a little bit shorter season than 10 weeks to commit to, but for eight weeks, we're going to do a deep dive group experience You're going to have a book, too, for deep dive. Deep dive, you only have to read four out of the seven days a week, so we're, we're helping you chill a little bit. But then you're going to come together on Wednesday night and facilitate what God's doing, and it's going to be about the story of God. From Genesis to Revelation, the context, because I tell you what, some of the times I struggle with my calling and meaning in life because I have no context for what's going on in our world. And scripture gives us the context of what God is doing. And the story of God is a study that you can engage with during the week, Four studies times eight weeks, 32 studies, if you will, over the span of eight weeks to go from Genesis to Revelation to paint the story of what God is doing in our world and how he wants you to have a place in that story and find fulfillment. And so, we're going to get you to show up some really good tacos by uh, the Alvarez family over here that runs a taco restaurant up in Hemet. We're good, right? You come at 5.30 on September 13th. Just mark it down. And we're going to go on that journey. We're going to divide up in this space here, behind partitions, some different small groups for adults. The youth group's going to be meeting simultaneous, and then we're going to provide child care. And maybe some other opportunity for children right now we just need child care in fact if you know people outside this church and we're going to pay for that child care if you know people outside this church that would like to help on wednesday nights and and gain a couple hours of income you come talk to me but i want the whole family to come and i want us to realign our lives and not only then will you have your group experience but you'll have a broader church experience because we as a people at this church right now and some of you i know are new here today i'm glad to cheer. But we need to come together with a fresh sense of knowing one another and having community. I don't know what people do in life when they lose a loved one like what I saw this week with the Parnackians and with the McDonald's. If you don't have a broader community and church family. I don't know what people do when, when, when uh, you're really needing to grow in your intimacy with the Lord. But you, you need somebody to speak in your life. We were called into community. And so we as a church are planning this family night so that we come closer together as a church. And this is a great time, especially if you're newer, to step in and become connected with a church family. Starting in a few weeks. You want to sign up for the deep dive thing, just mark Life Group on the back of your Connect card this morning. But I wanted to highlight those two things, and I want to now just briefly make mention of the secondary thing as it relates to calling. We talked about the primary calling being called by Jesus, being called to Jesus, and being called for Jesus. That's our primary calling for all of us. But then there are, as the Reformers say, secondary callings. A secondary calling is really a response to the first primary calling. It's a response where everyone, everywhere, and in everything should think, speak, speak, live and act entirely for God. So your secondary calling, you can do that in your local place of activity during the week. So your secondary calling may be as as a mom in the home, as a uh, teacher in a school, as an engineer in a workplace, as a doctor or a medical person, you name it, as a truck driver. Your secondary calling is what you're doing in response to your primary calling... And it's everyone everywhere and everything thinking and speaking and living and acting entirely for God. Last week, we had Joe Wally up here. I don't know if you prayed for him this week or not. We should have prayed for him this morning. He landed with this uh, transatlantic flight into Kenya, Africa, and he was supposed to be preaching on Sunday morning at the church with all that jet lag. And he's not uh, had that many opportunities to speak in front of people. So I was praying for Joe Wally this morning, and I was thinking, you know, as it relates to the calling and what God's doing in his life and what we saw happen in Ruth with Joe and how he's been transformed into a whole different type of young man that's now on fire and serving God and has purpose and meaning and has direction in his life, which he didn't, didn't really have. Trust me, I walked with him through Rooted and it was like, hey, you know, Joe, you got some context to your life, right? And Joe is in Kenya as a missionary this morning on a shirt torn? Uh, crusade project with forge ministries and we go wow that's great god's calling joe he did that and a lot of times we get caught up on these um special guidance kinds of things that god does and we think in terms of those are for other people and we're sort of in the minority and we're stuck back here and i just got to go to work tomorrow morning you need to know this that's not lesser than being on a mission trip to Africa. We highlight some of those special guidance things God does, and we go, oh, the minority of people God's just really blessing and using them. But no, no. Your secondary calling as it comes on the heels of the primary calling is for all of us, every day, everywhere, in every way, serving the purposes, living, speaking, acting, the presence of Jesus. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. The story is told of William Wilberforce. He was sort of like a Playboy party kind of guy and God brought him to himself. Big time conversion. Coming out of an established kind of environment. In October of 1787, he had been wrestling with his calling. He thought he needed to leave the arena of politics. And John Newton, famous hymn writer, said, why would you do that? He said, God needs you where you're planted, where you're placed. And so William Wilberforce came up with probably the most audacious personal mission statement ever written. God Almighty has placed before me two great objects, the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. Reformation of manners meant just sort of correcting the ills In society where people were being very profane, they are licentious, and and there was prostitution, prostitution, and all He wanted to take on the reformation of manners, and he wanted to end the slave trade. Four days after the slave trade ended, William Wilberforce died. He accomplished his mission statement, but he didn't do it by becoming a professional preacher or minister. He stayed right where he was at, and he was focused on a mission calling in his life, called by Jesus, called to Jesus, called for Jesus, and the secondary callings in every place and everywhere at all times to live out that passion for the Lord and bring change in a world. And he did exactly that. In Matthew 20, 27, And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I want you to serve out of your secondary calling, but foremostly, I want you to serve because of your primary calling. In your seat backs is a a card you see every week called Serve. This has to do with a secondary calling as it works through the auspices of the church. As we head into the fall, we need you serving. It's going to take about 10 of you just to replace Mike McDonald. Where would the Lord have you serve? Fill that out, place it in the offering basket. But it's not about doing, it's about being, being fully alive in Christ and to his mission. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, but I want to pass out one more baton this morning. And this baton is going to go to somebody that uh, I've just gotten to know in the last couple months. Many of you may be aware that for a year and a half, we had a school, a homeschool educational center in our facility. It was not ours. It was run um, by a lady and some others, and it was called Brightwood. And uh, the last week of school in June, it came to an abrupt ending, and Different reasons for that, and those have been dealt with, but Brightwood closed down. They had a contract with us for this next year, school year, and we really feel God's called us to use this facility to be a community center outreach. And there'd be sometimes upwards to 100 kids that were part of that program. And so I um, didn't know what to do as a pastor and interacted with different people, and the boards engaged but this week, um, a decision was made for us um, to not take on that kind of number by any means, but to start out and provide a homeschool community for those who are looking to have more of a structured environment for their students. And we all know some of the immense challenges in our public education world, and so. I met this person because she was a concerned parent, comes out of the professional world of the sciences, and, and uh, as we've journeyed and some of us have met together, I want to introduce to you um, the Programming Director for the newly established Awakening Homeschool Community, and her name's Sarah Royce. Would you welcome Sarah up?
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So Sarah, I'm going to have you come over here. We'll stay centered up. I want to give you this baton. We're passing the baton to you to help lead a ministry in our valley from this church to reach into families' lives for them to develop the education that they need for their children to run the race. And one of the reasons that we've decided this, and as we've talked about it, is that we are able to provide some homeschooling environments with a biblical worldview and a Christ-centered faith foundation. Mm -hmm. But could you just share the the church body here? Why did you sense God calling you to this, and why do you take the baton to run the race?
1: That's a a great question. Um, So I am a mother... Um, of three children, um, soon to be school age children, and I'm very passionate about um, parents having a choice and options for their children's education. And I, I think that the state of education at the moment, um, our children may be exposed to a lot of inappropriate things that we as parents may not want them to be exposed to. They don't have the, the capacity to rationalize that yet. And so I think that as a community, it's very important that we protect the innocence of our children. And one of the ways to do that is that you are very involved in their education. You know, At the end of the day, it's up to us as parents to make sure that our children are learning, no matter what type of school system they're in. It's up to us to make sure that they know how to read, they know how to do math, no matter if they're taught outside the home or inside the home. Um, And so with that, the idea of the homeschool learning center is it gives the option for parents to have a place for their children to come to learn if they need that outside of the home mm-hmm. so they can come as often as they want or as little as they want and it's just providing that extra support in the community and giving the parents the reassurance that when they are there in the ha- in our care that they can be sure that they are going to be fostered in their faith in, in Jesus and not being exposed to any of the things of the world that harm our children. So I was really excited when I heard that this would be a possibility. That this is the type of a kind of learning center that um, I would want my child to attend. So I am very excited to help um, establish this and walk it out and see if we can per- be a, of service to the community for, for all of our children.
0: She is a dear follower of Jesus and desiring to see God do something. I want you to pray for her, pray for us as we step into this. It's new, and it's not like we're building some school. In fact, this is not a school. Yeah, It's really a gathering to be able to encourage those who are in the homeschooling world, but to have some group experiences, some electives four days a week as they pick and choose those kinds of things if you want more details on that sarah i'm going to ask you to be out by the tv out there and i know you can answer some questions and you have some handouts that they can grab a hold of as well as go to the website uh, to be able to find some of that but we need to own this as a church family Mm -hmm. and supporting it because god's calling us into this and we're glad to help have you help lead some of the way do you have any words of exhortation to us as it relates getting this thing launched
1: um, you mean like well, what? Yeah, for us as
0: a church body, how can we help support Oh, okay, yes.
1: Um, I, well, first of all, if any of these families in here are homeschooling, um, this can be a service that we could provide for you. If you're interested in, in homeschooling, maybe you need to learn more about homeschooling, ready to take that leap, um, please talk to me. I can um, give you information about how to get started. And um, also, if you know anyone in the community, your friends, family, who um, this may be a, a service that they that would be beneficial for their family, um, please let them know, take a flyer, um, and I would be happy to answer any questions um, in any way I can.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And as Shirley's, I encourage you to walk up to Joe Wally last week and say you're praying for him, walk up to Sarah, introduce yourself. Even if you don't have connections in the homeschooling world, let, them know, let her know who you are and that you'll be praying for her and for us as a church community as we seek to establish the Awakening Homeschool community. We know that there's different kinds of education routes. And God calls us into different ones of those, even the public school system. Some of you are public school teachers, and you're in there knocking it down for Jesus every week as a part of your calling. And so it's not like, hey, we're isolationist in this. But it's really with some things that have developed and some of the interest, we really felt this was a calling to bring together. Thank you, Sarah. Give her a hand. All right. So with that, we are going to. Have the ushers come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings and for us to sing it out. And as we sing it out, may you reflect on what God's calling is in your life. The primary calling to Jesus. Are you there? And if not, it's just a simple step of surrender in your own heart to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and leader. You can even do that while we're singing or come and pray with us afterwards. Seek me out. Your secondary calling may not be to bring administrative oversight to a homeschool movement, but it may be something else. Step out and be obedient to what God's calling you to. So with that, would you stand? The ushers are going to pass the offering baskets for your responses to Rooted and Wednesday night. But let's sing together as we close. Thank you, Andy.
2: Let's we'll sing this last song together Just Lift our voices in praise We'll respond to that call I raise the hallelujah presence of my enemies I raise the hallelujah Louder than the unbelief I raise the hallelujah My weapon is a melody I will raise the hallelujah, and heaven comes to fight for me. and worship the Lord this morning, as so raise the Hallelujah. I raise the Hallelujah For with everything inside of me. So hold on me We're going to sing
0: louder but as they often say we need to live out loud not just sing out loud so go into your mission field your primary calling your secondary calling it's your blessing this week have a great week we'll see you next Sunday